welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. What we are going to talk about is very, very relevant. I want to talk about having Jesus at the centre of our lives. You know, there's never been a time in my life um, where there has been so much upheaval and distraction and division. And it's not just me. I've talked to many of my pastor friends, and they say the same thing, that um, when we said yes to the call of God, we, we imagined that it was going to be leading people to Jesus and everyone um, loving church and loving us and, and living the dream. Um, and we're finding ourselves um, in this crazy time where um, there is so much division and uh, churches, there's this contention and with families, and it's not even a doctrinal issue. Um, it's a health issue that has sort of morphed into more of like a social political issue. And it's like well, a lot of us saying, we didn't sign up for this, but um, we're responsible to lead um, communities of faith and, and our, our church families. So I wanted to talk about the issues this morning, but not really address the issues. I want to talk about the main issue, uh, which is Jesus and how to keep unity and how to, how to keep sweet relationships and how to disagree through these turbulent times at the same time while still shining bright for Jesus. So um, that's worth listening to, I reckon. Um, so going back to the, the early church, if there was ever a time in history where uh, division could have caused the church to just explode with, with division and, and stuff, it was right at the start of the early church uh, because you had, for the first time, so many different types of people coming together. Uh, how did they do that without blowing everything apart with strife and with division and disagreement. So just to give you a little bit of a picture as to what it was like back then, um, for the first time ever, we had women worshipping and being seen as equal to men in the same place. Before then, uh, women weren't able to do that, but we see the, the genders coming together. And even in the ministry of Jesus, you had Mary um, listening at the feet of Jesus while he was teaching. And we just read that and think, well, they've got a home group at the lounge and there's no, no room on the sofa, so people are sitting down there. That space was reserved for the disciples of the rabbi and it was always men. So um, Jesus allowing that was just completely counterculture. And we we see that carrying right through that men and women worship together. You had slave and free coming uh, and worshiping side by side and being seen as equals, which is incredible. In Romans 16, Paul talks about a whole lot of people. I think there's like 29 of them that's helped him in ministry. A lot of them have been in ministry positions and uh, scholars have um, realized through the names and stuff that quite a few of them were slaves or had been slaves. So you had slaves now being in places of ministry um, and responsibility over others uh, that were free people. So that was completely amazing and had never been done before. You had the Jew and the non-Jew, the Gentile, coming together and worshipping as equals as well. And um, most of the Jewish people, they, they were quite exclusive um, and they looked down upon others. 
unfortunately, but having um, different ethnic groups coming and worshiping together, it had never been done before like that either. You also had different viewpoints as well. So you had the traditional and you had the sort of the more relevant. Um, interesting uh, group of Jews were called the Hellenists and they were Jews that sort of said, I don't want the tradition of my past, but I want to embrace the new Grecian thinking. Then you had the sort of traditional Jewish believers as well. Um, you had all of these crazy um, he had a recipe for disaster, really. Even in the disciples of Jesus, you had Matthew, the tax collector, and he had sold himself out to the Romans. He had turned his back on his own people, and uh, the people said that in the day, tax collectors were past redemption, that there was no forgiveness. That's how the Jews thought of tax collectors. So you had Matthew, he was super pro-Roman um, secular government, and then you had Simon the Zealot, and he was ready to take up arms against the government. So even in the disciples, you had anti-government, and pro-government. How on earth did the church survive? How did it prosper? How did it flourish? It pretty much should have blown up before it even began, but we see it was glorious and it's changed millions of lives. How did they maintain unity? Galatians 3 verse 26 to 28, it says, You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith immersed you into Christ, and now you are covered and clothed with His life. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ. In other words, all of these different people with different backgrounds and different opinions, they put all that aside and they made Jesus the center of their life and the center of their world. And they loved each other with the love of Jesus. And they had such an incredible unity that their church and the believers multiplied exponentially. They had Jesus at the center. That's why I've called this um, sermon, this message, Jesus-centric. Centric simply means at the center. Uh, it can also mean the thing in your life that is most important to you. So Jesus-centric simply means having Jesus at the center of your life, having Jesus as your most important interest. You know, we can be believers in Jesus and not have Jesus at the center. We can be followers of Jesus and have something else at the center of our life, whether it's an opinion or an interest or a hobby or a relationship or even yourself. We can do that. That's why we need to come back to Jesus regularly and be deliberate at, at placing Him in the center of our lives. So right now, if, if we're really honest, we, we know what is at the center of our life. And if you're a little bit confused with that, I dare you to ask those closest to you, I dare you to ask your workmates, what is the most important thing in your life right now? Is it Jesus? Or is it some other issue? That's a challenge for us, isn't it? Paul, the apostle, he, um, he planted a lot of churches. He was an incredible leader uh, in the New Testament. And he understood, because you read a lot of his letters, he, he fought so much for unity with churches, with Without unity, nothing else really mattered because you needed unity. And the churches that had this unity, nothing defeated them. So when conflict happened in the early church, because whenever you get people, 
you get conflict <laughs> uh, because we're just people and we have differences of opinions and having um, disagreements isn't necessarily an unhealthy thing, but when disagreement turns into contention, which turns into division, that becomes an issue because it splits churches apart. So what was Paul's instructions to the church? And, and if Paul was alive, what would his instructions be to the church of 2021 um, going through what we're going through in the world? I think it's Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 6. Therefore, I, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Not just ministry leaders, all of us have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Don't hear that preached a lot. It's so important. Make allowance for each other's faults. Not, don't try and fix them because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and all and living through all. Jason talked about it this morning, keeping Jesus at the centre and fighting for unity. I think it really could be as simple as that. So um, I've kept the message rather shorter this morning because we're going to have communion later on and we're going to watch a video, an incredible video about having Jesus at the centre. And then it, talks, it goes on about worshipping Jesus and then it declares peace, uh, which I think is incredible. So some keys for Christ-centeredness and keeping unity. Number one, be doers of the Word of God. Not just hearers, we are so good at hearing the Word of God, but actually putting the Word of God into practice, being doers is a complete different thing. And Jesus talked about it in a parable um, of the wise builder and the foolish builder. They built the same type of house, but one was on a shaky foundation, one was on a solid foundation, and times of shaking came upon those houses um, and the foolish man who'd built his house on shaky foundation, it just collapsed, whereas the, the man who'd built his house on a solid foundation stood firm. The only difference between the wise man and the foolish man, or the wise person, foolish person, is that one heard the Word of God and actually put it into practice. And the other one, exactly the same, but he heard the Word of God and didn't put it into practice. I challenge us all this morning, as I'm reading... Um, the, the Bible, uh, our basic instructions before leaving earth, can we please be doers of the word and not just hearers? Colossians 3 verse 12 onwards. You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavour to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. 
For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart be always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. If that's a little bit too much to put into practice, let's just grab one verse, verse 17. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus. Good words, eh? So just a couple of practical points here. Earn the right to speak into someone's life. Build relationship with those people. Gain passport to be able to speak and to be able to discuss things with them. You know, you go to another country and before you are allowed to, to go into that country, you've got to present your passport and the person at customs, um, they stamp it and that gives you the permission to enter into that country, to enter into that country's culture, to be welcomed in. And for us as human beings, I think it's really great to earn passport into someone's life, to gain permission, to be able to speak into their lives. Because if you don't have that permission, you can say whatever and it's not gonna be received. And that comes out of building relationship. So it all is based on building trust, building relationship before you are able to speak into someone's life because before they invite you to speak into their lives. And it's not just about the current situation, it's also about um, how to reach the lost as well. It's like someone who comes from, and they used to, they don't do it so often or even phone on the phone, but we don't have a landline anymore. Um, and, and, and people, you know they're wanting to sell you something that you have absolutely no relationship they wanna take from you, um, but they, they start with being all nice and you just know it's all fake. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, this is what, I've got a great offer and I just don't have time. So I say, sorry, I don't, I don't have time, I'm not interested, thank you. And, and their attitude completely changes. Number one, they don't have passport into my life. Number two, I didn't ask to buy something from them. Uh, but if it was someone that I trusted and, and really has something of offer, of course, if I know them, if they're credible, if they love me, if I know that they are safe, now we can talk about anything, even if we disagree, and still have that basis of love and relationship. So gain Passport. I think we're living in a time it's so easy via social media to try and push your way into people's lives um, and demand a response. When there is little relationship there, it's just there's no good that's gonna come from that. So earn the right. Also learn the art of disagreeing in person. Again, via the, the magic of the interwebs, uh, we're becoming very good at disagreeing in person and sometimes, quite frankly, being quite mean and saying things that you would never say or never have the guts to say to a person face to face. 
And I think we're losing the art as the body of Christ of how to stay loving and, and how to disagree, uh, but, but doing it in person. Secular studies have shown that um, if you have a strong disagreement with someone, if you have conflict, but if you are having a coffee with them, if you are having a meal with them, it is incredibly difficult psychologically to see that person as the enemy. If you're face to face. But when it's online, it's so easy to villainize a person because they're not there in person. Let's not disagree online. If you've got a disagreement with someone that you've got passport, shout them coffee. Shout them a meal. Really love them. And not just try and win an argument. I don't think many hearts have been won, even if the arguments have been won. So disagree in person. Learn the art of that. Secondly, uh, so the first one, be doers of the Word of God. Secondly, refocus regularly. That's why I love communion. It's uh, taking the bread, which represents the body of Christ, and taking the, 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 uh, the, the wine or the grape juice, which represents the blood spilt for us, the body, uh, Jesus' body broken with the bread. And coming back into focus, Jesus said, do this to remember me or do this frequently. Because so often, like I said, we can be believers in Jesus, but not have Jesus at the center of our lives, that refocuses us. It brings Jesus back into the center. You know you are what you eat. Uh, you really are. I know it's sort of like a, a, a slogan uh, um, that, that people use. But what we focus on, what we give our interest to, will get us. It will get our vision. And it's interesting because in John chapter 6, I think it's verse 66, John 666, interesting uh, way to remember that. Jesus says something crazy to his followers. He says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot be my disciples. And people are saying, well, Jesus, you've gone off the deep end now. And most of them left. He turned to his disciples and said, are you guys gonna leave too? And they, they may have thought, I don't understand you, but where else can we find the words of eternal life? It's only you, Jesus. But when you think about it in an analogy, the more we feed on Jesus, we, we, we give our time to Him, we worship Him, we pray to Him, we praise Him, we, we learn from His ways, we read of His words, the more like Jesus we are gonna become. The more of Jesus we are gonna have in our life and our vision. You know, you, you go on a tramp or something and you're following someone and maybe they're far, far out in the distance and because of perspective, they look very, very small in your vision and, and everything else can sort of get your, your attention and distract you. But when you're very, very close to the person that you're following, when you are right behind them, they fill your vision. It's very, very hard to see anything else if you are close behind them, if you're following them, Closely, You know that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim and the light of His glory and grace. Get close to Jesus. You know, it says, um, it was a saying in the Old Testament, um, sorry, in the New Testament about disciples that they were covered in the dust of their rabbi. The disciples that were followers of the rabbi, they were covered in the dust of their rabbi. What does that mean? They were so close that when they finished the day, they were, they were following their rabbi so closely, so passionately that they were covered in the dust uh, that was left by their rabbi as they walked around in life. Are you covered in the dust of Jesus? Are we following Jesus so much that He fills our vision? Or right now, is He just a little speck in the distance and something over here is, is huger, more huge in our vision? 
So follow in the dust of Jesus, follow in the footsteps, be covered in the dust of Jesus. Thirdly, build upon Jesus with the right material. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 and 15, I've been contemplating this verse quite often, or these verses lately. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, like, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. Jesus is our foundation. He is the only way. So He's the foundation, but we can build upon Jesus, uh, building blocks of our life and our faith and our journey. And my great passion, building upon the foundation of Jesus, I hope it's peace and love and joy, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. I, I pray and that's my desire to, to build upon Jesus with those things in my life. Righteousness, right standing with God, right standing with other people. Peace, being peaceful, not being contentious. And joy, being happy in Jesus. Having a sense of humour. We've got to laugh at some things. If we don't laugh these days, we're going to cry. So we can, we can choose the building blocks of our life that we build upon the foundation of Jesus. I, f I don't fear, maybe I do. I, I am concerned because it seems in many believers' lives, it's no longer righteousness, peace, and joy. It's more like fear and distraction and contention. Those aren't good building blocks to build upon the foundation of Jesus. We are all gonna go to heaven if we have the foundation of Jesus but the things that are of eternal value will last. Other things are just gonna be like ash. Please don't get before God that day and in all of your life, you're saved, but everything you've done is just ash around your feet. So in conclusion, John 13, 31 and 35. Sorry, let's start with 33. This is Jesus just before he went to the cross. He's having his final, final uh, meal with his friends. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you and then you will search and long for me, but I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders, you will not be able to come where I am. So I give you now a new commandment. So this is mind blowing for the disciples. They've got the 10 commandments and, and now Jesus is giving his church, he's giving us a new commandment. It's like the 11th commandment supersedes all others. I give you a new commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Now, if a change of government was gonna be the answer of the world, Jesus would have overthrown the Roman government. But he showed us a different way. The way of love, the way of community. I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. What's that love that Jesus showed us? John 15, 13, greater love has none than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The one characteristic of believers that will make the biggest impact on the world is our genuine love for one another. 
And we have an opportunity right now in this time of craziness and shaking to be followers of Jesus, to have Jesus at the center and to live and love with the love of Jesus. That's what this world is desperately seeking right now. We dare not waste that opportunity with bickering and disagreements. Let's keep Jesus the main thing and let's love each other as Christ has loved us. And I wanna really address our Renew Church family and Fano right now. And if you're watching this and if you're not, that's cool. This doesn't apply to you, but this applies to all of us that call Renew Church, our church family, looking at our purpose statement. Pursue God's heart, celebrate God's goodness, demonstrate God's love, equip God's people and transform God's world. Demonstrate God's love. It's part of our our passion and purpose here. I pray we will all take that seriously and start living that. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.